Welcome to a very special Black Cast, an all Hannibal episode of the Black Cast. Table d'Anarchion. My French is horrific. And uh, not joined by the usual guys. They are uh, unavailable, although we might get an appearance from one of our regulars at some point. I'm uh, helped here in the studio by our friend Captain EO, so please do him a favor and follow him on Twitter, at Jeff Duray, J-E-F-F-D-U-R-A-Y. And uh, we're going to speak almost exclusively about the NBC primetime series Hannibal on this installment of the Black Cast. So if you don't watch, you may enjoy this. Odds are a little bit better that you won't, but we'll have some great guests. We're going to have friend of the show, friend of the radio show, friend of the podcast, Michael Hausam. On back-to-back weeks, we're going to have Rob Lorch, Michael Hausam, by the way, of IJ Review, on Twitter, at MP House. Rob Lorch, again, the second week in a row, on Twitter, at R Lorch, L-A-U-R-I-C-H. And our friend Rafe Gutman, a.k.a. Mark Hunt, on Twitter at MarkCoinHunt. And then perhaps, if we're lucky, we may hear from the Will Sterling a little later. So we've got all that coming up, and I just wanted to start off because I know it means a lot to him. I want to mention our friend Richard Diaz. I'm going to mention him as often as possible as I can during the Black Cast. He commended the last Black Cast, saying that he loved the 90-minute installment. 60 minutes is too short. I told him that last week being 90 minutes meant that there wouldn't be one this week. Because if we do a 60-minute Black Cast, well, then we can record two. We have limited studio time these days. This is the state of the world. We only have a little while, so we usually only have about two hours, a little bit more. So we can do a 90-minute Black Cast, but then it gets a lot harder to record a second one. i got to get the whole gang back together on a second week. And that's how we ended up with this sort of hastily thrown-together Black Cast. I, I didn't even bring the bell. I'm sorry, Matt and KC. But uh, this all-Hannibal discussion, with possibly one or two other topics thrown in, really didn't lend itself to the bell okay truth be told i just forgot it i i had it out and i was like oh i should probably bring it i was just be some guy wandering through the halls with a bell anyway i think we did one of these before where we did an all hannibal roundtable i know we definitely did a doctor who roundtable perhaps we'll have that again in the future but we're talking about hannibal today and uh there's a few reasons why we need to do this not only is season three currently airing on nbc with episode four airing this Thursday, June the 25th at 10 p.m., 9 central on NBC. But there was an announcement made this Monday, not entirely unexpected, but a hugely disappointing announcement, which I first read on Deadline Hollywood, a.k.a. Deadline.com. I believe this was on Monday. NBC has made it official, opting not to pick up a fourth season of its well-received drama Hannibal. Despite good reviews and devoted cult following, Hannibal could not grow into a broad network show. That's not a surprise to me that it could not grow into a broad network show. Maybe it's just too good for everyone else. That's that's the approach that I'll take. Much like the Dennis Miller show. Too good for everyone else. Uh, The writing had been on the wall. NBC opted to hold on to the season three for the summer, where the drama has delivered soft ratings. Reportedly, a 0.5 live and same-day rating amongst adults 18 to 49. There's a lot of numbers thrown at you, but if you ever hear them talk about ratings, that should not sound encouraging. It's likely more suited for cable. I agree with that. 
It's uh, done well on DVR and on demand. You know, it has a huge social media following, but that hasn't really been enough to be on a huge broadcast network. But the most important part of this announcement, I thought, was that the third and as of now, final season will air in its entirety in the Thursday 10 p.m. slot. So that's why they're saying, hey, everybody should continue to watch it because if especially if the listenership continues to grow even after the cancellation, then I think that would be very encouraging for someone else. Uh, they're also going to still have a panel at Comic-Con. So I think that that's also a good thing, you know, to a good way to show the, the support for the show. Uh, there's efforts to find a new home. There's a uh, hashtag save Hannibal that's uh, got Brian Fuller and Martha De Laurentiis both involved. And as I'm stressing, Brian Fuller encouraging people to watch these 10 remaining episodes. And Martha De Laurentiis said, we are exploring options with other potential partners and they have invited viewers to quote unquote, join us in sending a message to the potential partners. I think that's what I just said. I did. I thought that was my idea. I forgot that I had this quote printed out. Anyway, I think that the show has a great chance to live on, as evidenced by the success that it's had on Amazon Instant Video. And I wrote this on Monday when I linked to it. I said, I hope Netflix, Amazon Video, and even Yahoo Screen are paying attention. Now, I have uh, some thoughts about this in general. Uh, there's going to be some dissent as to the quality of this upcoming season. And uh, we're going to start with someone who is really enjoying the current season, and that's our friend Michael Hausen. We'll talk to him in a few minutes. And uh, he will uh, be there and let us know his thoughts. I have some thoughts about uh, creator Brian Fuller. Now, this season three has started very slow, not as slow as possibly our friend Rob Lorich has proclaimed on Twitter, but at the same time, I think it has been a slow start and uh, we'll be interested to see when it finally picks up. I believe this week it looks like it's going to pick up. But Brian Fuller has kind of done this before. He did this show called Pushing Daisies. Great first season. Terrible second season. So when Hannibal had a good second season, I'm like, all right, well, he's, o he's over, over the hump. He's busted that slump. Heroes did the same thing. He created Heroes. Heroes had a great first season. And I don't even know if I finished the second season at that point in any case. But uh, we're going to have Michael Hausman in a moment. So I don't know. I think that he's got this season three and maybe he's just feeling like he has a very wide canvas in which to paint. And maybe it's a little slower than we want it to be. But uh, we will talk to our friend Michael Hausman, who joins us on the line. Michael, welcome back to the Blackcast. What's up, Christian? How's it going, man? Uh, it's going really well. And Michael on Twitter at MP House, M P H A U S. Now, you are a huge Hannibal fan. And I don't think I knew this before I, uh, I don't, well, it was before I appeared on your podcast, The Right Mics. But uh, we started talking about it on Twitter. And we hadn't talked about it last season, had we? We had not talked about it at all. In fact, uh, I sat down to watch the season opener. Uh, you know, I waited, what, 11 or 12 minutes into the recording so I could fast forward through the ads. Because you hate commerce. You hate people trying to make money and trying to sell you things. Is that correct? You know what? I'm a full-on capitalist. I love that there's advertising, but I also love that Cox gives me the option to be able to fast forward through them. Sure, yeah. <laughs> well, so I'm 
scrolling through my Twitter feed, and I see a comment from you about Hannibal, and I thought, oh, my gosh, he's a fan, and I thought that was huge. Yeah, and so we talked a little bit about it on your podcast, and you are really enjoying this current third season. Talk a little bit about what you've really liked that they've done so far in the first three episodes that have aired of Hannibal so far. What have I liked so far? Um, well, I got to tell you, man, I thought that uh, Will Graham walking out of that castle having uh, erected that, um, I don't know what you would call it, effigy, uh, yeah. the body, the decorated body of that cat, I, I thought that was, uh, I mean, just absolutely amazing. It's a little mind-blowing that uh, the Will Graham character would actually leave something behind like that. But, uh, you know, the problem with the show has never been the imagery. There's been some great stuff to look at. Uh, and in a few minutes, we're going to talk to our friend Rob Lorch. He's going to say that there's a little too much to look at. And I agree with his general point, which is I haven't loved the pacing of these first three episodes. When the whole season's done and you can binge it, you can stream it, you watch it on Blu-ray, whatever you want to do, it's probably going to be great because... Because it's a, it's like the water driplets in the first episode. It's just gonna drip, 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 and then it's gonna eventually build up. And I'm not having any doubts that it's going to be great, but it's getting to that point where it's gonna be great, and that might take a little while. But uh, yeah. I, you know, it, it's been great, and they really, it's really a mishmash, I believe, of the. Red Dragon book and then other books in the series. Books that are not Silence of the Lambs, though, because they can't use any of the characters or situations from Silence of the Lambs because a different, basically because Lifetime optioned them. That's the short reason for that. <laughs> right. Well, let me ask you this, man. Um, do you do you think, uh, and I guess this is a big question, we can talk about the history, Thomas Harris, the movies, the bunch sure. of stuff, but specifically with the TV show, um, I have a friend that works for, um, oh, it's not, uh, I think, I think it's at Martha De Laurentiis. Yes, Martha De Laurentiis is one of the producers, yeah. Right. Uh, I have a friend that works in Hollywood for one of Martha's daughters. Um, I think that, you know what, maybe I need to go back and check and see, but I, I said, anticipating being on the show with you, I sent her a note saying, hey, look, uh, you work with Martha. What's the deal? She goes, no, 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 I work with Suzanne De Laurentiis, uh -huh. and I don't know anything about Hannibal. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> but I, here's a question. Um, do you think this is going to go like uh, Southland uh, was broadcast TV? Uh, I wept when uh, it was off broadcast TV, and then I was thrilled when cable picked it up. Because uh, I just, you know, there, there are certain types of dramas, certain types of series that, frankly, are more, uh, I don't know, more appropriate and better suited for cable television. Do you think Hannibal is one of those? or do you think? Yeah, I do think Hannibal lends itself better to being on cable or a streaming service. Uh, I do think that it's been interesting that because it's on NBC, they do have to be a little bit more restrained you know there you can't show as much as you can in a movie i've been stunned in some of the stuff that they can show you know not just in alternate cuts on the blu-ray no the way it airs on nbc sometimes i'm like wow and i like i remember when they introduced mason verger verger uh after he had let's just say a a meeting with hannibal that didn't go his way 
that it came down to the lighting, that if they had lit the scene a little bit brighter, they wouldn't have been able to show it. But because it was mostly dark, it was all right for what had happened to him. So I think that it's really kind of helped the look to kind of be a little bit darker, not showing us quite as much. So I would deal with the fact that if the show went on, it maybe would be a little bit more gruesome. And, you know, you feel like, you know, I think we've talked about this before on the Blackcast about shows that are on cable that feel they have to show lots of nudity for no reason, you know? Right. And at the same time, it's like, well, we can show just as much violence as we want, you know, let's try and out Dexter Dexter, you know? And then it could really just sort of escalate to a point where it's like, well, I didn't need to see that. But at the same time, I feel like the tone that they've had has been good, that they wouldn't get too carried away with it. I, I think the show would probably do better and the expectations would be lower off network TV. So, in general, though, Michael, you're saying you're very happy with these three episodes compared to the two previous seasons, and you're uh, just looking forward to episodes 4 through 13 as they will continue to air Thursdays at 10, 9 Central on NBC. Brian Fuller saying that we should all make sure we watch these episodes because that could help it live on in another form. Right. Well, you know, frankly, the first episode, uh, I was a little bit lost. Uh, I thought it was a little slower paced. I, I was uh, disappointed that it it became clear, like, oh, we're not going to see anybody except for Hannibal and Agent Scully. I know her character has a name, but, you know, come on. Right, yeah, and uh, with Larry Fishburne showing up last week, that yeah. was a total surprise. It was great to see so, him, though, because he's on a show called that. Blackish, so I'm like, oh, I wonder if he's going to be on. I feel like he's not going to be on that much. But the fact that we saw him at all, I'm like, well, that's kind of cool that, that he gets to be on. Right. Now, one, one thing you were mentioning before about the, uh, the things that they do show on broadcast TV, uh, that for me, the, the two things. Um, first, throughout seasons one and two, I was continuously shocked about what they were showing on broadcast TV. Yeah, agreed. And you're mentioning the lighting and the way they kind of juxtapose things and are careful about, you know, stepping right up to the line. I have kind of felt that about, um, you know, comedians like um, Brian Regan, uh, that, you know, uh, you know, Regan is, he's kind of family-friendly, and he has said before that it takes more creativity not to just drop F-bombs all day long and still be funny. I kind of felt like that has helped Hannibal in that, you know, I, was, I watched Dexter, watched every single episode of Dexter. Um, I felt like it, it, with the Hannibal thing, some of the creations that he did and some of the other things that, you know, tableaus, I would say, uh, it, it kind of forced some creativity on the part of the producers in order to get it to go on NBC, whereas if it was a Showtime or an HBO or, you know, one of the other cable channels, they could have just shown more blood and guts and had to be less creative about it. Yeah, no, 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 I think you're absolutely right when it comes to that. But uh, I, I don't know, I think that they did do a good job, and I, I've I've appreciated the restraint, you know, and, and it, it's true. It's like, it's it's one thing when you get the opportunity, a great example in another medium, uh, 
a broadcaster or radio personality like Howard Stern going from regular radio to satellite radio where all of a sudden you can do anything, but then you're like, well, yeah, but you, you have to do it within reason. And you kind of get carried away when you first have that. And then you're like, well, you know, it's really more about doing something that's entertaining than uh, anything else, you know. So right. well, that, uh, I, I think that if they got to cable, they might get carried away at first. And then they'd rein it in a little bit. And I don't know. I think there would probably be moments that, well, we couldn't show this on NBC, wink, wink. You know, it, it would be getting the opportunity to play with it just a little bit more. So that, that makes sense to me. That does remind me, uh, in terms of newfound freedom and kind of going a little overboard, that does remind me of that crazy weekend uh, Sterling, you and I, and Lorich spent in Bangkok, but that's obviously for a different podcast. That's for a podcast that we can never release, <laughs> um, but that's only because I'm saving it for my screenplay. It's it's called Guys in Bangkok, but it's guys spelled with a Z. And, spoiler alert, Bangkok is two words. So really, it's, you know, look, it's not going to be for everybody. But it's funny that you speak of Mr. Rob Lorich because we have him joining us. And I wanted to make sure that you got the opportunity because we all had a great Twitter conversation at some point where we were all going back and forth about Hannibal. And, you know, Lorich kind of chimes in and he had a dissenting opinion. Do you think that that's a, a nice way to summarize the way Lorich approached Hannibal on Twitter the other night, Michael? Yeah, I just thought he was wrong. <laughs> you just thought. So basically, that's you're like, you're like, I'm right and Lorich is wrong. That's that's the way you thought of it. Yeah, love Lorich, but on this particular issue, he happened to be he happened wrong. to be wrong. Well, you know, Lorich. Uh, after we said that the show was being canceled, he said, "Serves him right." Me and a friend were just complaining about it getting too artsy, so I bring on to the black cast for the second week in a row, Mr. Rob Lorich on Twitter at r lorich r l a u r i c h, who apparently hates art. Welcome back to the black cast, Rob. I hate art. I hate it. <laughs> Art Carney's. I'm glad he's dead. Art. Whoa. Too soon. Too soon, Robert. Is it? I'm sorry. So anyway, you have not enjoyed this season of Hannibal, and I wanted to give you a moment, Rob, to you know take a moment or two to explain why you haven't liked it, and then I want you and Michael to disagree about it while I have my feet up and laugh. So go ahead, Rob. First. Um. Obviously, I'm a fan of the books. Uh, one of my favorite book series of all time. Sorry, I'll already interrupt you. Did you enjoy the first two seasons of the show at all, or did you continue to watch it even yeah. though you didn't like it? Okay. Yes, of course. I, you know I liked it. We've discussed this. But it's this is for our listeners, though. On television. Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, it's great looking. I've never, from the outset, though, I never liked their version of Will Graham. I just think he's a pussy. Okay. And he's always on the verge of tears, and he's trembly, and they make him a total mental case, and that's, that's always bugged me, but I love Mads Mickelson. I think he's fucking great as Lecter. Yeah, I, I really I like his Lecter. I mean, the key is to not compare him to Anthony Hopkins because that's a great yeah. portrayal, but this is such a different one. And Wait, Brian Cox is my favorite. What are you guys talking about? Look, Brian Cox is great, actually. I mean, I don't I even know if you're Brian saying Cox. that in jest. I thought Brian Cox did a great job. There are three very different interpretations of the character. All well done. Brian Cox, we didn't really get to see that much of his, but uh, we got plenty of Anthony Hopkins. And... 
I think that Mads Mikkelsen is a great part of the show. I, as I talked about a few times on the podcast, really had trouble understanding him when I first tuned into the pilot. But that was my problem, and I got over it. Uh, I think he does a great job. Uh, Michael Housem, what do you think of the way that Will Graham is portrayed compared to the way that William Peterson portrayed him in Manhunter and the way that Ed Norton portrayed him in the Red Dragon film? Well, I, obviously, it's a significantly different take. Uh, he's far more cerebral, uh, and I kind of like that. I think that the Peterson and the uh, the most current Will Graham, I think they have more in common. I mean, in, in the original Manhunter, it's very clear that Peterson is debilitated by his interactions with Lecter. And this show... Sh- kind of is a, the, the prequel aspect of it, you can kind of see, oh, yeah, this has completely fucked with this guy's mind, and I love it. Sure, and the idea that it's really difficult for him when he kind of recreates the crime scenes, the you know, one of the visually more interesting things that they do on the show when we see him kind of walk through Mentally what happened. going through it. Yeah. That's right, but obviously, you know, with that, uh, you know, the character with the antlers constantly appearing in his mind. Yeah. That kind of culminated uh, last week with, you know, Graham dressing up that, uh, the captive guy. I mean, that, that really blew my doors off. I did not see that coming. Right. Now, Rob, uh, what are some of your uh, specific problems with this season? So you think it's a little artsy. You've had problems with Will Graham from the beginning. But specifically, what stands out as you think on these three episodes that have already aired? Okay. Let me uh, – I did some research. I came, I came bearing stats. Hey, Lawrence, I just want you to pack your bags, all right? If you have your bag packed, you can come on. <laughs> Not to bring your home luggage. Yeah. Um, now, uh, the biggest hit on TV is Walking Dead, I'd say, right? I would say so. It's huge. It's a phenomenon. They average between 13 and 15 million viewers an episode. Correct. Uh, a big hit, not mega big, but big hit is Scandal. They pull in 7 to 10 million. A lower hit, say lower, lower case hit, is Grimm on NBC. That's about 4.5 to 5 million. And that's, by the way, that's a runaway blockbuster for NBC. And that's and that's that's got a cult base, a yeah. loyal base. They're they're there every week, so that's that's numbers probably not going down. They're happy with it. They're going to run a good seven years at least. I think they just finished uh, four season four, maybe. I believe you're correct. Yes, American Horror Story, another horror show. They pull in about three to four million. This last season dipped, but they're coming back. Hannibal pulls in something like I think their average is about two and a half. Yeah, they so they've been they, on the edge. Yeah, okay. and they they had a point five rating throughout these three episodes in the key demographic. I was talking about that when we got started, and that's not going to fly on network television. It's ju- it's just it's too yeah. low. A show with uh with anything below a one, it, it's not going to happen. Over a one doesn't even necessarily mean that you're going to do it. What they wanted to see was that it maintained the audience from last year, and it didn't do that. And, you know, that's like, well, we kind of just wanted you to break even and you dropped off kind of considerably from what I remember reading. So, you know, look, that doesn't really mean all that much. It just means that people don't have good taste, as I said. And as our friend Hannibal would probably make a point, something some pun with taste. But what what are you trying to say? So people aren't watching for what reason, Rob? This is what I'm getting to. The first two seasons averaged 2.5 million viewers. This season's premiere, season three premiere, premiered at their average of 2.5. Yeah. 
Right. Episodes two and last week's episode three were the two lowest rated episodes in the history of the show. I think that is direct reflection of the season premiere, which was stuffed full of shots of dripping water for no point. A uh, half dozen close-ups of Hannibal cutting meat to classical music. Yeah, <laughs> we get that. He does that every episode, every season. It was nonsensical, <laughs> I thought, in part. The, um, the, the relationship with him and Jillian Anderson, I don't even get at this point. Uh, by the way, we, we refer to her as her character name, Agent Scully, if you could do that. so. Yeah, Scully, I thought that was just undefined and odd. It was undefined and odd, although I found it interesting. But at the same yeah, time, you know I was like, wow, we're getting a whole episode of them and not the stuff we want to see. Shows have done that before. I get that. And again, and again yeah, let, me ask a, can I, oh. let me ask a question about that, because that is sure. a really good point that you bring up, Lorch. Is Scully his captive or his wife or his lover or a little of all of it? I, I don't I mean, my, my answer is all of the above and then also... You know, option D, we have no idea what else he considers her as. But uh, what do you think, Rob? In the, in the, oh, I have no idea. And, but in the long run, yeah. And then maybe her, her, proud, her, her nuttiness is that she doesn't know herself. And I think she's along for the ride. Yeah. But the, my point being is I could go with that. Take yourself away from that. If you're a new viewer who said, hey, watch Hannibal. Now, if and, and you turn that on, you're, I don't know what the hell's going on. There's some dinner this parties. Doesn't, this doesn't make yeah. It doesn't make sense to me, and compare that to American Horror Story. American Horror Story, far, far weirder, stranger show. Bizarre, more pervy subject matter and all that stuff pulls in higher ratings. Hannibal is one of the most beloved characters, different actor, but one of the most beloved characters in film history from a very popular franchise. Why would they be getting less ratings? Well, to me, it's not the story they're telling, it's how they're telling it. People are turning in, and this, this season they're getting David Lynch weirdness, and they're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You made that point on Twitter, and I'll I'll point out that you know there's actually for at I this point as we talk, we're there's like seven and a half more hours worth of actual program content of that much more show. So you know there's there's what nine more episodes at this point, ten more episodes. I can do the math, and. So this is like we're kind of in like the first two or three minutes of Blue Velvet by comparison. Now, sure. it's taken a lot of screen time, but it's it's a much bigger story. So I think if you look back at the end of the season, you might be like, well, it started slow, but boy, did it get good. Now, maybe it doesn't. And then that kind of defeats the whole the whole argument. It's hard to say. But yeah, there's definitely some some weirdness, some extra stuff. I like the visual look of the show. I just kind of wanted things to move along a little bit more quickly. But as I said uh, at the outset, and I said on Twitter that I feel like you'll be able to rewatch the season as a whole. You'll stream it, you'll binge it in some form. And the fact that you have that many more episodes to go to, it'll be all right. But that's not how you get your TV show renewed. So I, I agree with your overall concern complaint that it's slow. I, I'm enjoying watching it because of what I hope is to come, but uh, I, I see your point. Uh, Housem, do you have any uh, final thoughts you'd like to share with Mr. Lorch? Uh, we're, we'll keep Rob, but uh, we have to let Mr. Lorch go. I'm sorry. We'll keep Mr. Lorch, but Mr. Housem is a very busy man, so we'll let him go in a few minutes. Well, I, I think it. I, this may be a little bit more introspective and self-focused, but I kind of think it may be my fault because any TV shows that I've loved get cut. Uh, 
back in the day, Homicide, Life on the Street. It's a fantastic show, which also had uh, some weird visual things that they would do, but uh, that was a fantastic exactly. show. Another show that NBC really didn't help. You know, they aired episodes out of order. They uh, didn't really promote it. I mean, they gave, they let it premiere after the Super Bowl, so they at least gave it a shot. But that was a fantastic show, Homicide. That was a fantastic show. Southland. Loved that show. It got canceled. Right. Uh, definitely in the last couple of years, this is my favorite broadcast TV show by far. Uh, loved it, and it got canceled. So uh, maybe it just has to do with it's something that I really liked. And the powers that be uh, are not interested in that. It, it could be that simple, guys. Yeah, it could be that simple. And what, what those shows all have in common is that they all aired on NBC. Uh, NBC, which, by the way, uh, historically, it's not a great show in, in the same sense, but great in its own right. Uh, NBC uh, did indeed cancel Baywatch after one season, and then it ran for like 10 years in syndication. So, you know... NBC doesn't have a great track record, I suppose. They, for, for every Seinfeld that they managed to stick with and nurture, there's probably like, you know, 20 shows that they gave up on too quickly. So, uh, Housem, you think it's your fault, but Laura, it's realistically, they're not trying to get the show renewed from the way that these first three episodes. I, I kind of agree with that point, right? That's you just. I think you just put it perfectly. That's. I agree with everything you said about the show in and of itself. I enjoy the show. I'd watch it. It's like you said. It'd be far better to binge it. But when you're going week to week and you guys are so close to getting canceled, yeah, you actually turned into the skid and got even darker, visually darker. Like I said, that last episode, I was talking to another. I could barely see what was going on. There's a couple candles in, in every scene. Yeah, like, no. I... Getting that, you know, <laughs> if you've gotten that weird and artsy, and, and how, I'm trying to sell this on. And people are like, yeah, watch. You like the movies? Watch this. Like, this is fucking weird. Yeah, no, I heard. I remember reading that, and I was like, I hadn't thought about it, but I was like, yeah, it was a little dark. You know, he's walking around. He's running around the castle. He's out in the woods and all that. And I'm like, all right, maybe, maybe a little bit better lighting. But uh, there's a Japanese chick. That was Mariko from Wolverine. You know how hard it is for me to give a thumbs down to an episode of anything with an Asian woman in it. Uh, it's it's kind of impossible, but you you had to, uh, yeah. I, and I'm glad you did catch who she was from Wolverine. Uh, you know the oh, I know my agents, Christian. The the I I don't I don't have much time for them. But uh, the the would be Mrs. Logan, as it were. Yes. So uh, well, anyway, uh, Mr. Housem, we appreciate you taking the time, and I look forward to talking to you more about Hannibal as the season goes along both on Twitter, both on the Blackcast, and on your podcast, the Right Mics podcast. Where do people find the Right Mics? Remind our uh, listeners when you get a chance. Very easy. TheRightMics.us, and it's M-I-C-S dot U-S. And, uh, Lawrence, man, great to hear from you, too, brother. Good to hear from you. See, look at that. Well, thank you, uh, Michael Hausam, on Twitter, at MP House. We appreciate his time. And now he's left us. But uh, we, we always... Always appreciate uh, Michael taking the time. So, Rob, you uh, are watching the show, but infuriated by it. But I wouldn't say you're at the point where you're hate watching, right? No, no, I, I wouldn't say infuriated. I, it's just I'm disappointed. It's like wanting your team to win, and they're they're calling stupid plays. I yeah. mean, there's this really bad decision making. And like I said, I don't know if that's uh, you. You tell me, is that on the showrunner, or are they just because they're letting the directors come in and you know? Do whatever they want. It's it's mostly on Brian Fuller. I was talking about you know he kind of he's he's kind of he's traditionally for me he's been good for one season, 
and uh, the the Hannibal kind of broke the uh, mold, and season two was good. But he did Pushing Daisies, great first season, bad second season, awful second season actually. And uh, Heroes, I loved the first season of Heroes, and it was I just love the first two. Well, I didn't think it was that good after that. It was awful in the third season, but it, it, they'd already lost me by the second season. Um, now I have a technical question for our friend uh, Captain EO, who's helping me here in the studio. To dial out, do we have to uh, get rid of Mr. Lorch and recall him, or how does it all work? How does the magic of radio work, Captain Eo? You just switch him. So I'll talk for a moment, and I'll be letting everyone know that BlackCast.com is where you go for all your BlackCast needs. And uh, also you can follow us on Twitter, at BlackCast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T, on Facebook, The BlackCast. Give us a, give us a thumbs up. As you were unable to do for episode three, despite the inclusion of a hot Asian woman, right, Rob? That very true. No. Very true. It hurt you to say that, didn't it? I could, I could hear you were like, you kind of threw up in your mouth when you, you were able, when you forced yourself to say that. It's unnatural. That's the best way to put it. It's not of my being. Yeah, but so look, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see where it plays out. But I'm also kind of with you in the sense that. I can't remember. There was. I was trying to remember. There's another show that it got canceled, and I I remember having the thought like, well, they kind of brought it on themselves by you know getting away from what made the show great, you know. And Pushing Daisies yeah, would be I, an example, but I don't think that that uh, that that was what I was thinking. But there, but it's like you know when you're trying to stay on the air, you shouldn't go extra weird. You should stay more mainstream. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that they go ahead. Rob. No, you're exactly right. And like I said, I don't want to come off as that guy. I like the show. And I couldn't be that guy because someone else is already that guy who I'm not going to mention. But <laughs> we, um, we may get an opportunity to talk to that guy in a little bit. He, he's not our next guest, but he might make an appearance in a few minutes. Oh, he's going to grace us with his presence? Well, we'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, uh, finish your point before we bring our, our, next, uh, our next talking head into the box. Um. Yeah, but I it's it's like I said it's one of my favorite um book series. I love I love both characters, Will Graham and uh and Hannibal Lecter. But it, they just really And by the way, where's Dollarhide? Where's I thought they were doing Red Dragon this season. Uh, I believe they will do Red Dragon this, this this season, but they're going to get to it eventually. Remember, they have 13 episodes and they do now, need are they to going to air the entire season. I mean, they're not going yeah. to Yeah. No, no, NBC has said they will air the entire season mostly cuz they don't have anything else. And they're going to air the entire season, so that'll be fine. I'm sure that even if they hadn't decided to air it, we'd be able to get it, you know, Amazon or somewhere. But there will be Red Dragon, and uh, as our next guest, our friend Rafe Gutman, a.k.a. Mark Hunt, he has pointed out that he read somewhere that they're going to do the Red Dragon story, but it's going to be uh, different than how we've seen it before. Uh, welcome back to the Black Cast Rafe, a.k.a. Mark Hunt. Are you there, Mark? Mark? Yeah. There you are. All right, so there's a button in front of me that says on, and uh, I need to hit that on button for you to be able to talk to me. So that's the way that radio and podcasts work. There's on buttons that you actually have to turn on. Who knew? Anyway, uh, Mr. Gutman, a.k.a. Mr. Hunt, you had heard something about Red Dragon this season, right? Yeah, well, what they're doing is, um, you're right, they're splitting it up. The first 
because there's 13 episodes. I think the first seven are is going to be the Venice story. Yeah, the the and, search for Hannibal Lecter, as it were. Yes, and then episode eight, because all the all the Venice stories have kind of like an Italian uh, food related title. Sure. And then episode eight is literally called the Great Red Dragon, and for the rest of the season, I think the episode titles are like lines from like a William Blake poem or something. So at that point, they switch over and they start the Red Dragon series, or the, the Red Dragon storyline. Yeah, and uh, I don't know that their plan is to have finished the Red Dragon story no, by the end. In fact, it's supposed to carry on, like, majority of it's going to be next season. I think Richard Armitage, who's going to be playing Dollaride, I think he's they're bringing him on as a cast member. Yeah. That's how long they intend to drag, not drag it out, but to plan to plug and slip carry it on <laughs> right exactly now uh well let's talk about the issue at hand though which is this uh, current season these current episodes that have already aired now lar uh lorich uh, pointed out online that it uh was a little too artsy for him now rafe you feel like it's quote-unquote artsy for a reason why don't you explain that theory well i think that the cinematography of it i mean i think they're purposely making the the venice storyline kind of operatic almost and so i think that's why we're kind of getting a kind of an artsier feel and then in episode two when we had all the i think it was i think it was rob that described it as will's acid trip yes as a matter of Um, fact i have the quote right here will graham walks around like he's on a non-stop acid trip and it all and we talked about this before wait hang on a second we talked about this before we had you on rafe uh, he said it all goes back to what Rob said when the show started, this horrible decision to portray Will Graham as a nervous, fragile nutcase. Yeah, I think that's kind of what they're going for. I mean, I think the episode started, it was it was a kind of a cacophony of imagery to begin with, to kind of reflect, I think what the producers are trying to show is that Will, the gift that he uses to solve these crimes, it's kind of... He he's just come out of a coma, so he's kind of all over the place. And as the episode progressed, he kind of you could almost see the imagery kind of focusing in. He kind of it's like he's got to he's got to bring that back under control because he was you know he every time he turned around there was the Raven stack walking sure. around and uh, Abigail Hobbs is talking to him and he's kind of he's got to kind of re like an atrophied muscle. He's kind of got to bring that back under control. Yeah, you know, from a production standpoint, I look at the show and I think, like, God, they must love that actress who plays Abigail Hobbs because of how many times they've had her back on. And, I mean, I actually think she does a great job. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, she's back. You know, she's been on so much that it's uh, interesting. And anyway, I wanted to let you uh, finish your point, Mark. Well, that was just kind of my point. I think Yeah. as I'm watching it, I'm seeing everything. It makes sense to me. Like the, the the wills wills visions all over the place. Yeah, and I think it, and it was kind of less so in episode three, but it was still it still kind of has that artsy feel, which yeah. I'll agree. But I don't know. I don't find it too disturbing. I have a feeling that when they get to episode eight and they start the Red Dragon storyline, I have a feeling the cinematography is going to be a stark difference. I think it's going to be a little grittier. It's not going to be. It's going to be shot a little stark. It's just my guess. Yeah. No, it's a great thought. And yeah, I, I do think that these next few episodes, like the, the commercial for 
this Thursday's episode. I was like, all right, there's a lot that actually seems to happen in here. Maybe it won't, oh Lord, but yeah. in my sense, it's like, all right, it's going to finally pick up. Now, uh, we were talking to Mike Hausen before, Michael Hausen, uh, and I said that this Will Graham is kind of consistent with William Peterson and Manhunter. Now, Rob, Mr. Lorich, on Twitter, you said that you disagreed with that. You said, quote, Patterson wasn't a crybaby who couldn't look people in the eye. He was the only believable Graham who looked like he could actually kick ass. So talk a little bit about why you think William Peterson did better than both this version of Will and also the Ed Norton version. Well, number one, the kick-ass thing is there's a physicality to it. Egg Norton is, was a string bean, and so is this guy. <laughs> yeah. I don't believe them getting stuck in these physical situations and not getting completely crushed. And I mean a race. Peter, there's a great scene of Manhunter where there's, there's a guy jogging, and Peterson's Will Graham thinks it might be the Red Dragon. And he, he like, tackles the guy. He takes him out. He's physically imposing in every scene he's in. Yeah, so there, there's there's a an, almost a slight intimidation by everyone around him because a he's got this reputation as the guy who caught Lecter, but I think it's also the way he moves physically. I yeah. didn't get that from the other guys. Well, he's, I, I, he's partly based on an, a real life guy named John Douglas. Right. What were you going to say, Rafe? Oh, I would. I, I agree. I, I agree with that aspect of it. I mean, I, to me, it just I don't know. It doesn't take away from it yet. I mean, plus, we haven't got to that Will Graham yet. I yeah. Mean, not that Shoe Dance is going to have a complete 180 in his performance, but we, we had, we're just now kind of getting toward the post. I have just found out Hannibal Lecter's a killer, Will yeah. Graham. Yeah. No, no, and there's more of the I mean, mental... Well, the, the, uh, the thing about the Will Graham that we're seeing in this season three is that he's already been gutted by Hannibal, and the Will Graham that we see you know, leading up to Red Dragon, he's already in rough shape. And as he's referenced in the novel for Silence of the Lambs, it gets really bad for Will Graham, uh, kind of in a way that we don't see. But uh, and, and, and plus, as we saw in the last episode, he's starting to turn a little darker. Yes. Anyway. So yeah. after what he did to, uh, you know, uh, Lady Murasaki's uh, prisoner at the end of that episode, he's already starting to kind of we- get it. Uh, Rafe, we refer to her as future Mrs. Loritz, as long as that's all right with you, Rob. Yes, yes, that's, well, that's what she is. Yeah, because she was going to marry Wolverine, but then she met you. That's pretty much what happened. That's right. Yeah. Yes. All right. I, your birthday karaoke, by the way. She, she was there, that's true. Literally everyone in Little Tokyo, everyone who's Asian was at my birthday karaoke. It's true. I don't care which one, I just want one. <laughs> it doesn't matter which one. Uh, yeah, I agree. Anyway, back to the issue at hand. I was going to say, would that be Lady Lorich Sachi? Oh, see, if I had the bell, I'd ding it, but I made a point to not bring it today. Mostly because I didn't, (laughs) mostly because I forgot it, but I also didn't want to be that jackass by myself walking down a hallway with a giant bell. But you know what? Now that I could have used it, I'm like, damn it, why didn't I bring the bell? And, you know, some people, some people would decide to edit the bell sound effect in and post. No, 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 no. That's not how we roll in the black cast. We we do it live. That's how we do it. We do it live. Like I could have edited it out when I tried to talk to you before Rafe and I hadn't hit the button yet. But no, no, we leave that. That's for the people. Anyway, I agree with the idea. Getting back to the issue at hand, that this will is definitely in a dark place, and it's. I don't. I find it really interesting to watch. I have really enjoyed some of the weird imagery throughout the course of the show, and. Look, Rob and I were talking before you came on. We we both enjoy the show very much. He's a little bit more annoyed by it, but at the same time, 
we we all like it. He has a very specific criticism, and I don't even disagree with it in general. But Rafe, Mark, are you all right with this season, or would you like it to move a little bit faster? I'm I'm all right with. It. I mean, I would like time to move faster so I can get to the next episode. I'm enjoying it so much, but. I'm curious to see what where they're, they've got four episodes left. I'm assuming they're going to wrap up Venice. They really haven't even done much with Inspector Potsy, so I'm I'm kind of curious where they're going to take that character. Yeah, I, I hope that they're not you know introducing him so that we can see him in like season nine. You know, at, at this yeah. point, that might have been overly ambitious if, if that was the plan. But no, I expect to actually see that. I, I feel like they're definitely building that. I thought it was an interesting wrinkle to the story that when we did see Jack Crawford, when we saw Lawrence Fishburne, he, uh, well, actually he didn't say it, but, uh, but Will said that he's, he's not working with Jack Crawford. So he's kind of like traipsing around Europe on his own. He's on his own mission. And I think that that's fascinating that he's not there on FBI business. I mean, he's going to carry himself like he's on FBI business because who wouldn't, but at the same time, you know, he's, he's, uh, gone rogue as they say. And I uh, find that to be fascinating. Uh, what about you, Rafe? Yeah, I kind of—I I assumed he was on his own when he got there. I didn't think he was kind of there officially, so I, I kind of assumed that from the beginning. Um, so I'm really curious to see when Jack T- break comes back to him. I'm really curious to see what's because I think eight months have passed. So I, I'm kind of curious if his wife's still alive because um, she was at death's door last season and. I don't and, know if she's still alive, so and and irony of ironies, Hannibal wouldn't kill her. You know, well, he didn't kind of flip a coin or something. Like he was thinking about saving her. Yeah, and didn't he flip a coin or something? And it kind of did a Harvey Dent, and then he, if I remember right, I don't know if I remember at all. Rob, does that sound familiar to you? I, I, because if if, no, if I don't, are you talking? About, are you which one? Are you talking about? So when. Uh, Jack Crawford's wife wanted Hannibal to help her die, you know, assisted suicide, and he chose not to do it. I don't remember him flipping a coin, but that's fascinating if he did, because, you know what, there should only be one Harvey Dent on TV, and that's the Harvey Dent on Gotham. I don't remember that. I assume he just, you know, let her live because it pleased him at the time, and maybe he wanted to see how it would affect Jack as opposed to seeing what happened if if he let her die. Yeah. Well, what... I'm almost positive he flipped a coin. All right, well... Watched it a few months ago. We'll be able to look. Like, we'll, no, that's true. He flipped. He flipped a coin, and then Batman tackled him off the roof. <laughs> and then Richard Gordon was there and his kid. Uh, now I remember. And and if Will was here, we could ask him what Bane had to say during all of it. But you know, Will's the only person in America who does a Bane impression. So we just uh, we we can't go there. But I will ask Rafe in our final moments here with him. What uh, have been your favorite things that you've seen so far in this season three of Hannibal, and what are you most excited for? Wow, I mean, I can't really. As far as stuff coming to the season, I really didn't know what to expect. I was really curious. Um, it just seems to be right now. We just seem to be building up. I love the uneasiness Hannibal's experiencing right now. He's, I mean, basically he's free, but yet he just can't help himself. And that incredible ice pick scene was just that perfect example. It's just like he just he just has to be Hannibal. Yeah, exactly. You and, can't you can't stop him from from being Hannibal. The preview anything. for next week when you know they had Chilton and just everybody. I'm just I. I'm I'm curious to see where they go with that. Yeah. No. Look, I think it's going to be great, and uh, we will all look forward to seeing it. But uh, 
Any uh, any final thoughts before we send you packing, uh, Mark? And uh, make sure to give the correct uh, Twitter name for yourself. Oh well, uh, uh, Mark Coin C O Y N E, like the flaming lips, Hunt, all one word, and uh, on Twitter. And uh, I'm just you know looking forward to the rest of the season. Um, I, I'm kind of curious to see if Hannibal gets captured. At the end of the Venice, sure. And then if he spends if he spends the majority of the Red Dragon story incarcerated, so that Will can at least because while the show isn't an exact adaptation, I'd kind of like to see those elements come through. Yeah, I would actually like to see those as well. Uh, and then uh, one final question: What have you thought about this new season of the Black Cast? Uh, have you Have you enjoyed uh, episodes one twenty one through one twenty six that you're now a part of? Absolutely, I still I still <laughs> listen. And still uh, go online, and you know my the, my thread over it. Some of the threads at the DM, the old DMZ, are looking a little sparse, but oh. uh, I still participate when I can. Well, you know, basically, it's a whole website ded- dedicated to the question. You good? But uh, yeah. we, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, by the way, uh, podcast of the apes is um, Mark's great podcast that he does on the Planet of the Apes. One of these days, I'm going to get around to like watching the whole series. And you know, my plan is to watch an apes movie and listen to your podcast about that film. And you know, it might be <laughs> might be like four or five years from now, maybe even a little yeah. more if I watch them with my boy. You know, my boy who I will name Doctor Zayas Blatt. But uh, one day, one day I look forward to uh, checking out the podcast. And we appreciate you appearing on our podcast, Mark, because by saying nice things about our podcast, it means we'll have you back. Excellent. Excellent. Look forward to it. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. And that's our friend Rafe Gutman from the Dennis Miller Radio Message Boards, uh, also known as Rafe Gutman, also known as Mark Hunt. You know, I always take that very pregnant pause, Rob, whenever I uh, say his name. I wish you wouldn't. <laughs> Why? It's more fun that way. Just, just, just let it flow naturally. No, 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 no. You get into trouble that way, you know. And I, I don't want to be in that kind of trouble. Now, you know, there's uh, an off-reference friend of the Black Cast, an actual member of the Black Cast, and we were recently on Twitter, all of us, and we were talking about how will was not joining in you remember this rob yeah yeah very much so yeah our friend uh, agent starling will sterling uh, i would say on twitter at will sterling underscore but he doesn't really seem to engage with twitter anymore he's not really involved you know he doesn't have that much to say he uh turned off his alerts because he was getting too many and what i didn't know that Oddly enough, yeah, that's that's what he said, and okay, yeah, it's just the way it goes. And he's uh, he told me that he mentioned that he turned the alerts off. But uh, you know, you and Agent Starling, you guys have disagreed uh, over the years. Uh, would I would that be an accurate assessment, Rob? Yeah, I think it is. I think that's fair. You know, what um, are some of your uh, high points? Some of your memories of when you guys didn't get along? Um, I think really, well, there's the now legendary uh, Jenna Louise Coleman, or soon-to-be Princess Jenna. Princess Jenna? Yeah, she's dating Prince Harry, apparently. Wait a minute. Um, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. Uh, Did you hear that? No, no, no. 
Uh, so I'm going to bring our friend uh, Will Sterling on right now. And, Will, I, look, we're here to have you on to talk about Hannibal. But Rob Lortz just dropped a huge rumor that I have never heard until this second. And I want to get your thoughts on it. First of all, welcome to the Black Cast, Will Sterling, one of the principal cast members of the Black Cast, original Black Cast member, Will Sterling on Twitter at Will Sterling underscore. Thank you, Will. Um, hey, I'm honored to be a, a call-in guest on the show that I've, for the most part, been live part of yeah. for so many years. You're you're honored to have been too busy to actually show up here in the studio. Much in the way that you're too busy to engage, much as the way you're too busy to engage with us on Twitter anymore, correct? Uh, I turn off the notifications because you guys talk too much. Oh, by the way, Rob, somewhere Richard Diaz just started crying profusely. We talk too much. No. Yeah, I'm we talk deep. too much. Oh, no, that's I so sad. Keep up with the notifications, but it kept beeping and 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 late at night. I'm trying to sleep. I'm like, okay, I've been better about it. I just I just tweeted to you guys today. Yeah, you did. We appreciated that, and that's yeah, a great I, I've conversation. I've never had mine on. I've never had my notification thing on. I just check it every once in a while. Yeah, I always turn yeah. mine off at at night anyway. But you know what? That's not the issue here. The issue at hand, Rob. What did you just tell me as we were getting Will on the phone? Jenna Louise Coleman is dating Prince Harry, so she's going to be Princess Jenna. Have you no? Have you heard this before, uh, William? This no. notion that a real thing Clara Oswalt is yeah. dating Prince Harry. I have not heard that. I didn't. Is that is that where, is that for real? Are you just making shit up. Where's your source on this, Lorich? Yeah, front page, front page Yahoo News. Google it. Uh, all right, oh. all okay. right. I, uh, I'll i have to Google it, but th this floored me because so now you feel like that that puts an end to the debate between who's better because she's good enough for Prince Harry and Amy Pond was not good enough for Prince Harry. Is that what you're saying, Laura, to me putting words in your mouth? Don't wait for the translation. I think that's what the world is saying, but you know what? I'm not about that. I'm not about um, past grievances, sure. all of which I remain victorious in. Thing, I'm not about that. I'm about building bridges. And, you know, during our Hannibal discussion, this came to me like a gift from God. I, the show is going to get ca it's canceled. It's done. Wait a couple right. years. We bring it back. Christian, I trust you should be in charge. You're going to be the showrunner. Okay. okay? I'm going to play Jack Crawford. All right. Will is going to yeah. play Will Graham. All right. Okay. And Will's mentor... Tommy Wiseau will play Lecter. Wow. Ooh. You just blew my mind, Rob. <laughs> He's got a weird accent. Now. Hey, pro, you want to talk about the Red Dragon? <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> I'm on board for that. That's a great idea. Uh, by the way, big news. Uh, will Sterling has just this week been added to Tommy Wiseau's circles on Google+. Is that not yeah, correct, he's Will? The, he's the only person still using Google+. It's amazing. Well, I actually, I think I used it to do like a, a Google... Hangout when we did the uh, video blackcast, but uh, just me and Tommy Wiseau, I suppose, and our friend Farad Muhammad. But this is all fascinating. I love this idea. But we're talking about Hannibal in general. And Will, I actually haven't had this conversation with you much. What have your thoughts been on the first three episodes of this season of Hannibal so far? Um, it's okay. It's it's well. I think the thing is, is that the slow pace and stuff that's worked for the first two seasons has kind of outworn its welcome. So now that we know that we're going to try to do some Red Dragon stuff and, and catch up with some of the stories that people know and like, 
it's time to kind of start putting it in gear. You know what I yeah, mean? Like we sure. have that slow build that's really, really nice as to, you know, why are these people who they are and the way that they are. But now I kind of want to see it move faster. I want to see it um, feel like it has high stakes. It's yeah. just very mellow. It's this weird, you know, obviously. Oh, here's Dave the dog yelling at me. Um, <laughs> that's Dave the dog. Back and forth. I don't know. That's that's so. No, it's it's. Here's the fascinating thing, and Rob, you'll agree that this is between you and the dog. I'm lost now. Uh, this <laughs> Dave the dog joining us on the broadcast. This is probably a first. Uh, what Will Sterling just said, and what I believe, and what Rob Lorge thinks. The three of us, I think, are in complete and total agreement on an issue. Would you agree with that, Rob? Yeah, I mean, it's, we've all. I think we're basically agreeing on the exact same thing being the problem with this season. We're just coming from it from different. You know, we yeah. each have a different approach. I think, as always, Rob, you're just a little bit angrier than uh, the rest of us, uh, except for when it comes yeah, to Jurassic World. With, yeah. yeah, I'm filled with hate and rage. Yeah, you know that's me. I, I'm full of hate and rage. I still haven't seen Jurassic World. And I probably won't just because I have a very strong feeling I'm going to agree with Will on that. And then I'm going to be like, <laughs> why did I pay money for this? Oh, uh, I can't wait until, until you see it, though, because if you do agree with him, then you guys are probably just going to be like bros, the number four life, L-Y-F-E. Bros for life. I think, I think you do have to see it now just to see whether or not yeah. you hate it. Go to, a, go to a matinee in like two weeks, you know, a weekend, you know, go see it like in the morning when it's like five bucks. See it in 2D. You don't need the 3D. What's that? If I hate it, I'm gonna feel I'm gonna feel so bad because I'm just gonna picture um, little kind of pre bad boy school Jeff DeRay who is so happy and smiling, and innocent, loving this Jurassic Park, and I'm like, this sucks, and I'm gonna feel yeah. bad that I'm I'm somehow sending a negative vibe through time. Yeah, I think past. that's what will he send him feel that negativity, boy. and that's what makes him a bad boy. So you think that would send him back to bad boy school? I wish he could hear this right now, but no, uh, no, it's a predetermined it, paradox. If it you saw Jurassic World and hated it, you think that you would send him back through time, and that's what would get him into bad boy school? My my negative vibe. Your negative vibe. Okay. Travel back through time. Hit little tiny innocent pre bad boy school Jeff Duray and make him bad. So it's a predetermined time paradox. That's really why so, his, future, so, his future, I I was negative towards his childhood. Okay, so uh, Jeff just uh, whispered in my ear romantically the way that Liev used to always do it. He insists that I say this to you. Rob, the year that the original Jurassic Park came out is the year his dad died. So I hope you feel good about that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> It's a low blow. That's not fair. By the way, Jeff is laughing so hard right now. <laughs> he just, Sorry, Jeff, he just showed me a picture of him and his dad. His his dad, who looks exactly like Will Forte, and I mean that is like you know, hey, that's a good looking guy, you know. Um, all right, so we had we've had some fun just now, but uh, will you see it, Rob? Well, now I'm going to have to see. it. All right, you're going to have to. Um, now. We basically agreed on Hannibal, so, uh, Will, we appreciate you coming on to talk about something that there wasn't really any debate about. But there has been some big news this week. Sony Pictures, Marvel Studios, proud to announce, after a full worldwide casting search, which I disagree wholeheartedly that they really scoured the world, 
Yeah, let's be real. It's just a UK cast. Yeah, they, yeah, they didn't even look in America. Tom Holland will play Peter Parker and Spider-Man in the next Spider-Man film in theaters, IMAX 3D, July 28th, 2017, which sounds too soon for a movie where they just cast Spider-Man. Um, I don't know anything about this kid. I looked him up, so I guess he was in Billy Elliot on stage. He was in something called no Wolf, idea. something called Wolf Hall. I have no idea what that is. What do we think of this kid? I don't know. I don't think anything. I don't know who he is. Did I, you see I, what I he looks that. like, uh, Will? Have you seen a picture of him? Yeah, I mean, he looks like a young teenage yeah. kid. He I looks like I, they've I, definitely turned into the "We want a very young Peter Parker." What do you think, Mister Lorch? Yeah, I mean, I don't know anything about him either, other than he's British, and that kind of irks me. Like, literally, we can't cast American actors. No, anymore. there's no American actors playing superheroes, except for Chris Evans. Um, he's basically the only yeah. one. Yeah, he's it. He's holding it down. Yeah. No, I think he looks fine. I saw a cool video of him doing a little flip. I'm like, oh, he looks he looks Peter Parker-ish. And I like, I like the younger Peter Parker. He should be younger compared to all the other heroes. He was supposed to be yeah. in the beginning. So, to me, I'm pro-young I'm pro Peter Parker, even though I know most people aren't. No, I think that uh, the best Spider-Man stories tend to be when he is younger. I like when he's in high school. I feel like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man definitely grew up too fast, mostly because he was in his 30s when he did those movies. I know I'm exaggerating, but it would have been nice to see some more high school Spider-Man, you know. And the, yeah. you know, I mean, they had it for a long time. And the good thing about the two, you know, the Amazing Spider-Man, the first one, we actually got to see Flash Thompson, and he got to be the dick that we all knew he was. You yeah, know? played by uh, yeah. Joe Manganiello or whatever that guy's name is. Yeah, how do you say his last name? How do you say that guy's last name? I don't know. Good well, anyway, so I think it's an interesting choice. It's a very clear choice. I thought that Andrew Garfield was a really good Peter Parker, a really good Spider-Man. I didn't think he was a problem at all, but clearly they did. They've gone another way. And what I want to talk to you guys about is... The uh, the backlash, the immediate backlash. I saw a website called Hollywood Life, and uh, they reacted, sure, the film will be a hit no matter what happens to it from here on out, but the new generation of fans feel betrayed. Just take a look at Twitter right now. Everyone from random fans to movie critics and journalists are calling him names like a fetus, and no one is expressing any excitement about the reboot at all. It was a slap in the face to take Andrew Garfield out of the role, and now it's a second slap in the face to find that our new Spider-Man isn't even someone we were rooting for. Hey, you know what, Hollywood life? They don't care. They know that idiots like you will go and see it no matter what, no matter how bad it is, no matter who, if it was a cardboard cutout of a Spider-Man cartoon still from the 60s, you'd still go see it. And they're just trying, they know that you're going to go anyway. They're trying to get everyone else. And if they think, hey, let's have it be a young kid so young kids can identify with it better. Oh, and also, let's have him for like five movies because he's, you know, going to be like 16 in the first one. I think that's all right. Uh, what do you think, uh, first, Lorich, to that kind of reaction? Well, I think they're all idiots. I mean, these stupid, uh, first of all, comic book blogs and websites are now staffed by 20 something know nothings whose extent of comic knowledge goes back to what came out in the last five years. Yeah, it's, it's, like, the, it's like the guy that Rolling Stone had uh, rank all the SNL cast members. Yeah, you know? Will, is, Will is exceptional, that he's in his 20s, and the knowledge he has of pop culture in general... It's, it's truly exceptional. Rob, are you, are, are, you, are you hitting on Will right now? Because that's uh, Bujenski's job. I like this it. Is the real, 
I, this is the real life behind the mask. Okay. You have multiple. Will no, I love him. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. The kid I work with who's like tw- just turned 28, he didn't, know who, he didn't know who the fuck Gilligan was. What? I made a Gilligan dialogue. <laughs> I said, how do you not know Gilligan? Well, that was all part of my theory I've had for decades. Cable television ruined the cult- pop culture. Everybody but I mean, everybody, like Gilligan Island, Gilligan's Island was before all of our times, and yet we all know it. My wife knows Gilligan. She, my wife has this theory about TV shows that certain characters, she's just like, nah, they're, they're too much of a Gilligan, you know, because like her theory, which makes perfect sense, if, in Gilligan's Island, in the second episode, they had just taken a spear and killed Gilligan. This isn't the way she says it. She says it nicer than this because she's a nicer person than me. If they killed Gilligan in episode two, there wouldn't have been an episode three because they would have gotten off the goddamn island. Right. Yeah, but she's smart. And yeah. She's also True. Not, she, again, she's interested in television. She, True. She works in television. She's going to continue to work in, in television. So that's, that's her thing. But this kind of like let's you know the three the three strikes I've read I read today in some pissy blog about the new Spider Man is number one he's not Miles Mor- fan favorite Miles Morales the yeah. people who want to see Miles Morales as Spider Man are a very very small minority but the people they're the same people who are writing these stupid articles saying fans really wanted Miles Morales that's horseshit. Right. I know I know people who collect comics. I run in comic book circles still, even though I don't collect new stuff like I used to. Nobody gives a shit. His books sell less than Peter Parker's Spider Man. So that's right. dumb. Yeah, I mean that was kind of my thought. We was gotta, like you know, we gotta be diverse bullshit. You can that's you terrible. can have you can have the the woman Thor, you can have the Miles Morales Spider Man after you've had, you know, seven hundred other issues. So maybe when they've done let's say a hundred movies, they can go ahead and you know <laughs> that's a that's a sliding scale for movies. But we're not at the point where look, there've been five Spider Man movies. So the sixth one we should just abandon Peter Parker. Uh and look Having him be young, I think, as I said, helps with that idea that you have him around for a while. Uh, Will, what do you think about, look, you and I have talked on the podcast, on the radio show, just in life about how the default is all news about upcoming things that I haven't seen yet. It all sucks. I hate everything. This is another example of that. But what do you think about what's specifically behind people's reaction to this new Spider-Man? Um, I honestly didn't. <laughs> dig much into people's reactions because I didn't good for you care yeah, yeah. Right. my thing was was I made a joke about the fact that Amazing Spider-Man two set up all of these Sony Spider Verse things so like as a movie itself it's really just a bunch of pieces it's not like a whole yeah. thing so now anytime in the future anybody watches the Amazing Spider-Man two they're gonna be like what the fuck is this what is this about why does all this shit that then never makes sense. Right. It, it, it's like when you watch a, an old sitcom and there was an episode that was dedicated to be a spinoff of another right. show. Right. And you're like, why Why is Fran Drescher and some other girl uh, you know, starting a catering business on an episode of Who's the Boss? And almost the whole episode is about them. Oh, because it's a TV show that never actually got picked up. And, right. you know, so basically... The Venom movie, the Sinister Six movie, that that's a show where uh, Fran Drescher plays a caterer. Yes, and I would love to see Fran Drescher as Venom, to be honest with you. But- Honestly, I would uh, even if she just did the voice, how amazing would yeah. that be? <laughs> Peter Parker. Yeah, right, exactly. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah, no- I, you know, I've read so much negative stuff about everything these days, and again, you know, even when it's rare that I really passionately dislike something as much as say. Uh, Game of Thrones or Jurassic World. Or Jurassic World, yeah. We've talked. I don't go out of my way to let people know how much I think it's a piece of shit. Yeah. 
And that's what a lot of this stuff is, is these, like, just whiny, whiny people who, like, are not even real nerds, you know what I mean? Like, my friend and I were kind of talking about this, and it's like, it's such this weird, like, jock mentality to where the, you know, I always used to pretend like, you know, well, the jocks are the bullies and we're all that kind of stuff. But now they're the same fucking guy. It's the same exact thing. And like we've talked about, it's like nerds used to get shoved into lockers and now nerds are shoving other nerds into lockers. And so it, it's all this, the internet has just, it's a reason for people to feel like they have a voice and like that voice matters and like they deserve to be heard. But it, it's all—it's so irrelevant because the—the the thing is, is that nobody cares who the actor is; they just care about Spider-Man. So, and I think that goes to go from Tobey Maguire to Andrew Garfield to whoever this new kid is in the span of probably less than, yeah, way less than ten years. Um, yeah, because it'll it'll be exactly ten years because Spider-Man Three came out in two thousand seven. Right. So you so basically you you're on your third Spider-Man in ten years. Yeah. And uh, it, because it's not about them, it's about Spider-Man at the end of the day, and that's what people want to see. Yeah. And um, I don't know, it's just hysterical also when people freak out about stuff. Same thing that goes for, you know, I know, obviously, Lorch and I disagree in terms of Man of Steel, but my guess I always make for that kind of... Everybody always goes, well, it's not... Uh-oh. And I'm like, I fucking know. I know that. That's the best one, obviously. You know, he is Superman. Yeah, I'm just going to interrupt because we lost you for a second. So you're saying he's not, so people will say he's not Christopher Reeve, and you're like, yeah, obviously he's not Christopher Reeve. Obviously, yeah. yeah. We know okay. that that's the best Superman. We've had that, you know, then they tried it and it failed with Superman Returns. So it's like, we did that. If you want to re, you know, revisit that, go watch those movies. Yeah. So I at least commend the notion of trying to do something a little different instead of just trying to do the same thing and expect different results as far as you know, box office or whatever goes. And so, I don't know, with Spider-Man or whatever and, and Marvel, you know, they I don't give a shit. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. And it doesn't bother me because if it's not for me, it's not for me. I'm not going to go out of my way to let people know that I think they're idiots. Well, and uh, reinforcing your point that it doesn't matter who plays Spider-Man, the movie has to be good. You have said that you think Andrew Garfield was a good Spider-Man, but you didn't like yeah. Amazing Spider-Man 2. So you had a good Spider-Man in a movie that you think was a bad movie. So it doesn't matter. If the movie's good, yeah, it won't matter. Even, you know, maybe even the people that uh, wish that veteran character actor Isai Morales played Spider-Man or whatever it is that they want, even those people will probably like this movie. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, gl I'm glad that my uh, Isai Morales drop made Lorich laugh. Nothing kills me like an East Side Morales reference. Like it doesn't happen often. This is this is the no. one podcast about I Hannibal the T V series where East Side Morales came out. Came up. Oh, came out. Um Whoa. so That's a different podcast. Yeah, exactly. Now I wanted to talk about the director of the new Spider Man that they announced, this guy John Watts. He directed this movie called Cop Car that I saw a poster for. It's got Kevin Bacon in a mustache, leaning against the cop car. That's probably going to be awesome, right? Because what could be bad about a movie with Kevin Bacon and a mustache driving a cop car around? It's true. I've heard really, really good things about cop car. Uh, so. And and he did this movie, Clown. Did either of you guys see that? I, I thought that you might have seen a movie called Clown because you guys like horror movies. No, I haven't seen no. it. Oh. Um, well, Will, you'll appreciate this because I, in my research trying to figure out who he is, he did a very specific segment of this online remake of RoboCop. That, okay. And guess which scene he did? 
Was it the one where Robocop shoots everybody's dicks off? Yes, scene 27, where everyone gets their dicks shot off. That's him? That's him, according to the internet. So, you know, if I'm wrong, please everybody let me know at Blatcast. And it's officially going to be the best Spider-Man movie that's ever been made. Yeah. And I trust that Dr. Octopus gets all eight of his dicks shot off. (laughs) I think I I know where his webbing is going to come out of this time. Yikes. See, again, if I'd brought the bell, but, you know, I was lazy. Uh, and then one final topic while I have you guys, even though it was ostensibly to talk about Hannibal, I think we agreed too much too fast. Um, you guys are more into horror movies than I am. I enjoy a good horror movie. What do you guys think about the, I don't know what they're calling it, a refresh, because it's not a reboot. They're bringing back the Halloween series, and it's not going to be a continuation of the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. I'll ask Will first what you think about that. Um. <laughs> That's obviously my favorite horror franchise. So I'm. That's why I wanted to ask you. Yes, sir. My my the biggest thing about these horror franchises is it goes beyond like a Jurassic World thing, where it's like, okay, we did four, and I don't think most of the sequels are very good, so we should probably stop. But they keep going. The thing with horror movies, it's like there's such a weird thing about sequels, where like even though some of them are better or worse than others, you're just jazzed to see that guy kill people. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. has nothing to do with. Uh, like everybody likes Michael Myers more than they like the survivors. Like nobody gives a shit if anybody lives at the end. They just want to see Michael Myers be Michael Myers. So it's always a cool. So long as look, nothing can be worse than Rob Zombie's Halloween Two. So so long as it doesn't even. I would rather them just remake Season of the Witch. Right. Uh, and and that would be leaps. I mean, I love Season of the Witch, but. I think it'll be great. I mean, if it's a bad movie, whatever. But it's at least. You know, but are you see? That's kind of what I what I'm hoping to tap into. Are you just excited that there's going to be another one? You'll get yeah. to see that guy in that mask. Some really horny teenagers are going to get their dicks cut off. Right. Yeah. Like I thought, the new nightmare was not that, but or uh, not new nightmare. No, that's a different movie. A new nightmare. The the reboot Nightmare on Elm Street. I actually liked that a lot. I yeah, was looking forward to more of those. Friday. Yeah. And Friday Thirteenth wasn't that bad. And yeah. so it's like it's one of those things where. I mean, I think it be, can be cool. It can be fine, at least. You know what I mean? It's yeah, There's obviously Halloween 4, 5, 6. I thought H2O was good, and then Resurrect. I mean, there's so yeah. many good and bad ones. Is uh, H2O the one with LL Cool J? Yes. All right, I like that one. I remember yeah. seeing that one in the theater, and I like that one. I think that was the last one I saw. In the, that actually might be the last one that I saw, period. Yeah. But, uh, Lorich, your thoughts on uh, the return of the Halloween film franchise? Well, Lo and I talked about this with Richard Diaz, last year or? who by the way will made cry earlier when he said oh, that on. we talk too much on twitter <laughs> um, i'm fucking with but, you guys <laughs> but I, you know but um well just to reiterate kind of what will said before about when you go there's something unique about in particular slasher films franchises you go in knowing you're just going to see a regurgitated thing. It's going to be the same right. thing you've seen every installment. You just want to see them kill people in different weird ways and maybe give you a slightly different ending. Yeah. But that's part of the appeal to me is the thing I love most, other than watching people getting killed in weird ways, is I love, and this goes back to Frankenstein back in the 30s, okay, in Universal, is killing the monster off at the end of the film and then forcing whoever writes the next one, and it's almost never the same guys forcing them to come up with some bizarre, creative way to bring them back. And I love that. Right. I think it's fun. Yeah. That said, like Will said, I, didn't, I wasn't a huge fan of Rob Zombie's first Halloween film. I thought it was okay. His second film, I hate so much, I don't think he should ever be allowed to make another movie. It's, it's, no, yeah. it's literally one of the worst movies of all time, honestly. Wow. He I, ran, I had no idea it was that bad. 
he ran the franchise into the ground. He destroyed it. They couldn't make another one off of that film. So it's basically it's basically the Batman and Robin by Joel Schumacher of horror movies. That's like the Shawshank compared to Halloween. <laughs> Wait, so Batman and Robin is Shawshank compared to Rob Zombie's just called Halloween Two is the name of that one. I think H two. Yeah, because it's confusing yeah. because there was already a Halloween Two. Right. Yeah. He's a, he's a shitty filmmaker. He. He's a shitty writer. He's a worse director, and he shouldn't be allowed. He's got a new shit movie coming out called Thirty One or Film Thirty One or something, which looks horrible. But so yeah, I'm like Will said. I love the franchise. I'm glad they're bringing it back. And really, he 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 didn't lower the bar. He buried it under mud. There's nowhere to go but up. So it's kind of like no matter what, it's a win. <laughs> so would it uh, stand to reason that it's like you know what we have to make at least one more because that can't be the last one. Yeah. I hope so. Okay. Same thing with Resurrection, where they're like, well, we might as well fucking reboot it, because that can't be the last one. With, with uh, I don't know, who is it? So some some I, other I, rapper that's I, not LL Cool J. Was it Common? No. Oh, I would have I seen a Halloween movie with Common in it. I, I would have, too. Rhymes. I would have, too. Did you say it was Busta Rhymes? Busta Rhymes, yeah. that's right, that's right. <laughs> Well, uh, that's maybe the maybe that's what they're trying to do. They're making each one so bad that you have to make another one where it's like, well, the last one was so bad, it, and it can't be one the last the ones one. That are bad has to have a hip hop artist in it. Like that's the rule. Yeah, that's weird. I hope Flavor Flav. Here's here's what I'd like to see in the last scene. Mike Myers, Michael Myers, takes off the mask. He's Flavor Flav. He puts Ooh. the mask. He puts the mask yeah, back on. Boy. He puts the mask back on, and you see Michael Myers wearing the clock, and he just walks off into the sunset. Oh. There, really, there really is a weird precedent Hollywood established through the horror genre that they feel the need to have the token black guy. Yeah. And instead of employing one of the thousand of black actors in Hollywood or New York, they take a rapper every time. Yeah. Be helping. Right. Yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe we'll get Tone Loke in the next one. That's that's what Ooh. I'd like. Or, or perhaps my favorite... Humpty Hump from Digital Underground. Anyway, guys, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk about Hannibal and a bunch of other topics that were pressing on our minds. Uh, Will Sterling on Twitter, at Will Sterling underscore. He yeah. may or may not interact with you. He might be too Hollywood now that he's in the same circles as Tommy Wiseau, but he will try to get back to you. Yeah, I'll do my best. He'll, he'll, he'll always do his best. Well, thank you, uh, Will. And, uh, Mr. Lorich, I appreciate you, uh, riding in the sidecar for most of this, uh, black cast. And, uh, we had some fun. And, uh, I don't know if this means that we have to have you on every week now, but we appreciate you being on two weeks in a row. Thank you so much, Rob. Thanks, Christian. Bye. On Twitter at rlorich. And we, uh, had a great chat today with, uh, all of our friends. Michael Hausam on Twitter at MP House and Mark Hunt, Rafe Gutman on Twitter at Mark Coyne, C-O-Y-N-E, Hunt. And of course, I'm on Twitter at Christian DMZ. Off in the distance, our friend at Jeff DeRay, Captain EO. You can always follow the Blackcast at Blackcast. And of course, Blackcast.com. And I leave you with uh, one final thought, not not a Jerry Springer style final thought. My one final thought for today was the uh, court ruling that uh, Zokar Sarnev was sentenced to death. Um, burn you motherfucker! I hope you die and then come right back to life so that they can kill you again. Anyway, that's a cheery thought to send us all on our way. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next time on the Blackcast.